The network marketing industry has changed dramatically in the last decade. With the advent of social media, digital marketing, the rise of the influencer, and all the tech platforms that promise something extraordinary, how do you separate the helpful from the hype? Welcome to Beyond the Network Marketing Dream, where authenticity and relationships, simplicity and duplication are at the core of everything we focus on. The fundamentals of building still work. Join us as we go Beyond the Network Marketing Dream. Welcome, everybody. It is Patrick Shaw, and I am excited to be with Jim Packard and George Campbell with the consistency chain. Now, gentlemen, did you co-author the book or is that one of you? No, we, no, we uh, well, yeah, yeah. We believe highly in the 80-20 rule and I wrote about 80% of it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, what's exciting about the relationship that George and Jim have is you'll get to hear a little bit of George's background here. He hooked up with Jim, a big top builder in network marketing. They really combine their experiences to not only put the book together, but to consult leaders in network marketing as well as organizations to execute at the next level. And I'm excited to learn more. I appreciate you sending me the book. I haven't had a chance to dive in, which I'm going to, but we're going to flush out some of that on the podcast today. So it's great to be with you guys. Cool. Thank Thanks you. for nice inviting us. So, George, share some of your interesting background, a different approach or a different background than the average networker in the industry. Why don't you share just a little bit of that to open up here? Well, just off the bat, I saw network marketing when I was like 18, 19 years old, fell in love with it. And I cannot express to you how badly I did at it. <laughs> I was just, I was terrible. And everybody was so hopeful. That was the funny thing. Oh, this guy's going to be good. No. And so I finally found something I was actually very good at, and that was getting on stage. I did 10 years of stand-up comedy and another 25 years doing a program called Joe Malarkey, the worst motivational speaker in America, which was stand-up comedy, making fun of motivational speakers for associations and companies. And that went, I had tremendous success with that. And introduction the speaker hall of fame interviewed by morley safer on 60 minutes that's a story but i kept circling back to this one area of my life that i just thought i should be good at this why am i not good at this and so i began four years of research to try and find out how it is that people like me could see the dream believe in the dream want the dream and somehow can't muster the consistent effort to get that accomplished it's the most frustrating thing in the world to me and then you hooked up with Jim and he helped you weave through some of this better understanding of networking. Yeah. Jim, tell them about yes. your background. Yeah. I started a, a copier company when I was 22 and I built it to uh, $17 million before I sold it. And then I said, well, what else can I do? So I kind of got involved with network marketing. I'm not going to lie to you. I did extremely well with it from the first company that I joined. I was distributor of the year. Both my sons were runner-up and distributors of the year. So it became very easy to me. And I actually met George at a meeting down in Tucson. My son had invited him to speak as a guest speaker. And, and I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, oh my God, this guy is really funny. He's really good. Little did I know that he'd been on stage as a stand-up comic with people like Jerry Seinfeld. And I'm looking at George speak and I'm going, my gosh, don't I wish somebody like George could be on my team? Wouldn't that be nice to have somebody like that? 
Well, I later found out that it probably would not have worked because he wasn't as good as he looked, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, probably yeah. the only person that could have driven Jim out of the business of network marketing, just yeah, the sheer yeah. frustration level. Well, and, uh, it, it actually makes some sense, right? You get two opposing kind of perspectives. And <laughs> so then you put the consistency chain together. Let's talk about that, right? Four things individual leaders and organizations strive for consistency, performance, productivity, and dependability, right? Let's break that down just a little bit. And then obviously people can go to consistencychain.com. You've got a beautiful website and there are some details there. We'll talk more about that at the end of the call, but let's dive into the book a little bit and the fundamental principles that you guys teach. Where does it start? Well, there's kind of three little puzzle pieces that when you bring them together, it shows you a way to look at the picture that you haven't seen before. And one of the beginning was Pareto, the Pareto principle, which I'm sure everybody, 80-20 principle, everybody's familiar with. And we know in network marketing, the majority of the results are going to come from a minority of people. It's not even 80-20 in network marketing. What would you guess it is, Jim? Let's say 95-5. Yeah. So it's it's even more harsh in network marketing. But when we started to look at what is the thing that actually separates these people that are the high performers from the people that want it, but are not producing on that realm. And we looked at all the things they had in common. Intelligence is equally present in both groups. Training, we all get the same training, ability, skills, education. It's all really the same until you get down to the key factor. And what we figured that out is that the 20%, the high-performing 20%, do what needs to be done when it needs to be done on a relentlessly consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And the 80%, people like me, we know what needs to be done but we don't do it and we don't do it consistently. And And that's the dividing. Does that then change your, now this is interesting. I don't want to be devil's advocate here, but I completely agree with that statement when it comes to the leadership principles and the people executing at a high, high level, but you know, in building an organization of hundreds of thousands and making millions myself, I discovered that the production though, 60, 70% of that production came from the middle of the pack. Now, most of those people wouldn't be around in a year. They'd be in and out. They weren't going to be the successful people. And then how do you then balance that? If you know that you've got these top 5%, that they're the ones that are in it for the long haul, they're going to produce with you. And then does that change then your methodology about with that information in tow, how do you go to the next step? Or kind of what's the benefit of identifying that top 5% and Parse that out for me just a little bit, would you? Yeah, I mean, the great thing is the top 5%, you don't have to find them. They identify themselves. Right. You know, I mean, they they just perk up. Yeah. The challenge with what you were talking about is that the, a lot of your production, 60% of your production comes from the people in the middle of the pack, but those people are only going to be there for a year. Then we run into the challenge of the churn, which now puts an imposition on that top 5%. Instead of leading, they're constantly on the treadmill of recruiting. Right. And so now we reach a stage of where we take our top 5% and we're introducing burnout. So what if we could make the people below them say that, especially that you can really take like 60% of the people below them that have everything that they need to succeed. What if we could just help them become a little bit more consistent so that their returns were a little bit higher so that they would want to stick around longer because there's positive Awesome. Uh, both positive. And we don't, when you go to a convention, that's never stressed. On At the convention, you have the top leaders 
addressing the top 5% or top 20%, whatever you want to call it, and the 80% get unfed. And we approach the 80 percenters, trying to take a certain percentage of those and make them successful with a basically a new way to measure success. Okay. And how is that? So let's talk about that. That's awesome. Totally makes so, sense. So yeah. So the second piece of this puzzle, and I am gonna really telescope this down because of course this 50, 60 year longitudinal study that tracks people from literally five years old through their 60s. And what they found was 20% of the people are making decisions, these kind of long-term decisions in a part of their brain. And 80% of people are making short-term decisions in a different part of their brain. And one of them is the ventral striatum and one of them is the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex, if you tell somebody like Jim and you sit down and explain to him, if you do this, this, and this, you're going to get this. And it doesn't matter how hard it is. It's just, is, is a reward big enough? If the reward's big enough, then I'm going to do what it takes to get there. And he's demonstrated that time and time and time and time again. If you present that same argument to me, and I'm thinking, I'm making my decision in the ventral striatum, which is a much more primal part of the brain, and it's not thinking long-term, it's thinking on what we call the ESP matrix, which is basically, is it easy? Is it safe? Is it pleasurable? And so for me, building a network marketing business, I'm an introvert, which I know people don't understand because I'm on stage, but it doesn't matter. Trust me. Is it easy for me to get on the phone? No, it is not. Is it safe? No, it is not because they could say no. They can make me feel bad. I could get rejected. That's not safe. Is it pleasurable? Did you listen to the first two? No. So you can make that same argument to me about the long-term benefits that I'm going to get from pursuing this course of action. And my brain is going to say, that sounds wonderful. I completely understand what you're saying, and I'm not going to do it today. Now, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to do it tomorrow, but I'm not going to take action today. Right. And it's always tomorrow. And you just keep pushing your success off in the distance until finally the business never talking about is just something you used to be in at one point. You quit. Yeah. And Jim, I mean, so a lot of this is awareness now, right? Like, okay, so we're aware that consistency is critical. We're aware of our internal motivators and drivers for the vast majority of the people, especially if you're a leader. So now you got to get down to brass tacks. Okay. How do we circumvent these built in hundred thousand years of behavior that's built into us? How how do we help the average person that 80% get through it? Right. Well, see what we've been doing. We talk about like the prefrontal cortex. You're making these arguments for ABC, trying to sell me on ABC. And then we're going to a part of the brain that's only interested in ESP. And what we've been doing traditionally in network marketing is we've been trying to help people build better ABC proposals when that's ridiculous because it doesn't matter because I'm not thinking about that. So what consistency chain is it says, okay, if the part of the brain that's making this is deciding it on, is it easy, is it safe, is it pleasurable? Why don't we make an argument to that part of the brain that makes it look easy, that makes it look safe, and makes it look pleasurable? Instead of trying to fight this thing, why don't we just sell it? Why don't we just break this down to the point where, yeah, I could do that. That sounds easy. Oh, I'm going to do it this way. That's cool. I don't think I'm going to get a hit on that. Right. And then after I do it, I'm going to feel great. 
So all of a sudden, it's the activities, instead of fighting our nature, we're going to lean into our nature. We're going to use it. What used to be an obstacle is now going to be a benefit, and we're going to launch from that. I couldn't agree more. I think one of the challenges is we tell everybody there's no money in your comfort zone, and that's true, but that doesn't mean we should push them out on the edge of the cliff when they're brand new and tell them to jump, because now they're just out. 90% of the training I always tried to share with the organization happens in how you got me started. And what I'm saying to myself is, do I want to do what you did to me? Am I comfortable with that? Like, does that make sense? Or have you freaked me out? Right. Right. And yeah, that guy may get through the numbers and it's just raw, but he doesn't understand he's exponentially creating more difficulty because he recruited three times more people. But his methodology is such that none of them want to do what he did. What did you end up with? Nothing. So, okay, talk to me about now, how do you teach? What is that? Knowing what you said, how do we navigate that? What are you going to teach me? What methodology can I use that is more comfortable, that is easy, safe, and pleasurable? First of all, if I was going to sponsor somebody, when I bring them in and into my organization, I'm going to assume they're all an 80 percenter. I'm not going to assume that they're a 20 percenter. I'm going to treat everybody as an 80 percenter until that person proves me right or proves me wrong. So that's the approach that I'm going to take to bring somebody in. And I'll let you go ahead and take it, George. Let me just say this real quick, because as people hear this 80-20 thing, there's going to be, I don't know, I'm going to say four out of five of us that are identified as the 80%. (laughs) And let me just say, as a person who is this and understands this, we're not talking down. We're not trying to shame or blame or do anything. We're just literally making the case there's nothing wrong with us. We just have to have a little bit different psychological approach in order to get to the places we want to get. Mm -hmm. So if you've been in network marketing and bouncing around and can't make it work for you and haven't made it work for you, there's a path. Don't feel bad. Don't quit out of shame and history because we can change our history going forward. So basically, if we're fighting this ESP, easy, safe, and pleasurable, then what we have to do is we have to break this down to the point where we do the action on a consistent basis that is right up against the edge of easy, safe, and pleasurable. So in network marketing, for instance, we talk about joining the 21 Club. and That's reaching out to two people or talking to one. Right. It's as simple as that. And reaching out to somebody is sending them a text. Hey, I know a lot of things have been going on in in my life, as I'm sure your, your life. Let's get caught up sometime. It's just reaching out. It's building that relationship that you referred to earlier, Patrick. Right. It's just establishing and building a relationship. And that's what we're doing with the 21 principle. Yeah. So re- uh, daily. So the, yeah. the, every day, yeah. two and one, right? Two reach two, two reach out. Two or one. Two or, two or one. one. Two or one. Two or one. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Reach out to two or talk two. to one. Because in the beginning, there are going to be people that think talking to somebody, I'm not ready to talk to somebody. Okay, cool. Let's now just- when somebody tell me this, when somebody hears like that is a great, I actually haven't heard it before, which is kind of crazy. But if I were sitting in an audience and I heard you say that, do I put that into my text and save it? And then I start sending that out? Are you teaching those individual steps? Are you going that far in your methodology? We offer different examples. I mean, for like old friends, let's catch up. But you have cool things. I've got cool things. Let's catch up. If I'm on LinkedIn. And I see somebody went to the same university that I did. Hey, I say you went to so-and-so. When were you there? It's just a personal connection that you can generate. You know, it takes you. How are you helping them transition, right? Because a lot of them, then they do that. And we've all seen it. Just the bloody transition, right? 
it feels like a bait and switch. So you met with me, you chatted me up, we met for coffee, we're having this great catch up. And then I've got the dollar sign on your head. And at some point, I have to create this transition. And to some degree, that's almost for some people, right? That's almost worse than calling straight away and just saying, look, you're keeping the options open. I'm starting a business, probably not a fit for you, but I just wanted to get you something. If I sent you something, would you take a look? It's almost worse to meet them, spend 45 minutes, build rapport. And now I'm supposed to tell them why I really did this. Yeah. Jim and I have very different theories about this, by the way. My theory is I don't want to sponsor anybody that doesn't have some degree of interest in me too after I've expressed interest in them. So there's that aspect of it. Jim, what's your theory on this? I think if you listen with genuine interest, what you're going to say next comes naturally. I think it just happens that way. I'm looking at my little chart that I've got. I've got 1,321 consecutive days of reaching out to two people. Now, by doing that, I have people call me every single day and I've developed a relationship with them. At some point, if I feel my product is right for them, I'll mention it to them, right? But I don't force feed it to them. And so your approach, Jim, is you're leading with the product, which is a much easier transition seller. Oh, absolutely. Hey, let me just lead with the product. Hey, I got, you know, you can try it. I can get them a sample. I can tell them about the product, which is a lot easier transition. And so that's how you would coach it versus jumping straight to an opportunity to join my pyramid, which obviously we wouldn't yeah. use those words, but right. that is what you right. hear. Or trying to find that one somewhere. person out of 20. It's just trying to find that one or two people that are going to build a business is a lot more difficult than trying to find a few people that want to try it and then become customers yeah. and then they can become distributors. I was just going to see the other psychological aspect of this is you're folding the funnel. So that yeah. one of the fears that people have is what am I going to do when I run out of people to talk to? Well, you're reaching out to two people a day. You're, the reality is you're never going to run out of people to talk to. So we're taking one of the psychological fears and putting it on the back burner. Which is, it's yeah. really amazing. One of the biggest challenges in network marketing is you don't know what your team is actually doing. You have no yeah. insight as to what, and the average distributor is so shocked that On one side, they're so shocked that two conversations a day, right, five days a week even, we're only talking about 40 conversations a month. They're shocked that such a low number can create such great results. But on the other end of the spectrum, they're also shocked that they do so little and they think they do more, right? They talk to the same eight people seven times and do seven times eight, and they think that was their number of exposures, right? Right. right. In our system, it's talk to two new people every day. The two new you can do that. I mean, yeah. even if you wait till 11 o'clock at night, you can text somebody, right? Yeah, and you can do it seven day, you know. and you can do it seven days too, not five. Okay. So you get them through this simplicity and they have a methodology. They come out of it and say, This is what I'm gonna do. Does that bring us to dependability? in those four steps? We believe it it does because, I mean, the baseline of everything is consistency. I mean, we saw a definition of success in network marketing is getting a large group of people, which is recruiting, to do a few simple things, which is based on training on a consistent basis. And what we've seen throughout the industry is that companies are really good at two of those. 
and we're building two-legged stools and wondering why people keep falling down. So how do you get them? They say you can manage what you measure, inspect what you expect. As a leader that you coach, how do you get them to be able to inspect it? Like that's one of the hardest things in networking that they don't know as leaders what their teams are doing. What's your methodology for coaching the leader on how to have that level of transparency or accountability? Keep in mind that the 21 system that we came up with, some of those people are going to do five a day. Some are going to do more than five a day. All right. We're trying to attract to the 80% that don't know how they're going to sponsor somebody. So we just want to start them. They're not necessarily going to finish there. They're going to start there. And you can intensify it later on. I mean, you can bring up the numbers later on, which you're going to do. But we're trying to appeal to that 80% that want it, but just don't know what to do. So, Jim, I'm on your team. And they're not going to do a 100-day blitz. I'm on your team. I'm on my third month in the business. You reach out to me. You have a conversation about the two-in-one. I say, yeah, Jim, I'm doing it. I'm just talking to way more people than that. I mean, Jim, you wouldn't believe it. I'm talking to so many people. It's just crazy. Everybody I meet and you say, well, Patrick, how many was that last week or last month? Oh, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot more than two. I don't know exactly. What do you say? Well, you need to chart it. Oh, you okay. Know, Go ahead, George. I'll just but see, and this gets back to just right the real kernel of this, which is the chain, which is the third part of this whole thing. And it goes back to Jerry Seinfeld. How did Jerry Seinfeld become the highest earning comedian in the history of the world is he decided that what he was going to do was he was going to be a better comic, which is an interesting concept. We're not going to have time to get into how better works for people like me where traditional goals have failed us. But he decided that the fastest way he could become a better comic was to write jokes every day. So he got a calendar and he wrote jokes the first day and he put an X on the calendar and he wrote jokes the second day and he put an X on the calendar. And the genius of Seinfeld, the reason why he got paid $800 million for the syndication rights to his sitcom, was he did not see two X's on a count. He saw two links on a chain. Day three, and this is easy because it never gets any harder than day three, is one simple rule. Don't break don't the chain. Don't break the chain. Don't break the chain. Right. And the reason why, when I first came across this idea and I thought, I wonder if this would work for me. And so I took an area of my life that I'd never been consistent at, which was working out. And I said, I'm going to work out every day. And I worked out the first day and the second day and the third day I made a chain. And I kept adding links to the chain. And for someone who has never been consistent at anything in their life, doing something that's relatively hard, working out, I put together a chain of 531 straight days. And you didn't beat yourself up over a lousy workout. No. the chain. No. No, the result is the link. The result is not somebody saying yes or no. It's none of that. It's outside of that. I'm building my chain. And we have ways for people to see that graphically. And I will tell you, it's like when I had a solid year on my wall of calendars with nothing but solid links the whole way through, I was more proud of that wall of pieces of paper that I wrote on. I was more proud of that than than the statue that I had for being in the Hall of Fame. It meant more to me because I thought, my God, if I can do this in this, there is almost nothing I can't do. Isn't that crazy how the greatest, when you ask people about the greatest reward, like when they look back at their life, it's always when they lived up to the expectation they had of themselves. 
right? Yeah, and right. you did the thing that you committed to and you look at it with such esteem. It's a powerful motivator if we're yeah. aware of it. Well, and he, the, he was the, just looking at a different way to measure success. Yeah. And the thing that makes this attainable is we're not asking people to work out for 531 straight days. That's crazy talk. Nobody's going to do that. Well, all we're saying is just today, just today. Today is the only day we have to work out because today is the only day we have to work out. And we're not projecting forward and we're not looking past it. We're just today. Oh, this is the only day I have to win. And I will tell you, this is where the better thing comes in because I wanted to be healthier, stronger, fitter. Those are all kind of better terms. And I would come back from the gym and I could look in the mirror with complete integrity and say, dude, you're stronger, you're fitter, you're healthier. And see, I wasn't waiting for something off in the future to happen before I could feel good about myself. I wasn't putting off that feeling. No, I was getting it every single day. And that is addictive. And it makes you want to show up the next day. Oh, it's awesome. It's so powerful. And George, I came from the other end of the spectrum, played college ball, all that. I knew what a good workout was. And I had stopped being consistent because none of them were good enough. Like if I couldn't do the full thing. And finally, yeah. I'm like, I'm working out every day. Like I'm just, and sometimes even still, I'm like, that was pathetic. Yep. But you know what? It's yeah. so, I mean, this morning was one of those. I must have done like 30, 40 squats, 35 or 40 bench presses, some stretching stuff. I mean, like it was maybe eight minutes or 10 minutes of stuff. Yeah. And you know what? It was awesome. It's, well, it's funny because it changes your mindset. Scott Adams, the cartoonist, who's a big, he uses different verbiage than we do, but his definition of working out when he first started out was driving to the gym and walking in and signing in. That was it. If he did that, that counted. And the reality is these actions that we start have momentum. And by the time you get to the gym, you've walked in, you sign in, you're like, well, I can well, well, I I watch TV. At least I can watch it on a treadmill. <laughs> these actions have momentum on their own. We're just trying to get people past that first little speed bump. And that's all it is. It's not a mountain. It's just a speed bump that's keeping us from moving. And we just want to yeah. help you get past that psychologically and then now, oh, my God, I actually am doing this. This isn't as hard as I thought. I could do this. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Jim, George, it's been awesome. I've really enjoyed it. I'm excited to get into the book, The Consistency Chain. How do people reach out to you and who should reach out to you? Like, obviously, I can see where every distributor, every rep should read the book. But I think you guys also do a lot of bigger events with companies right. and leaders as well. Who should reach out to you and how do they get in touch with you? Well, absolutely. The consistency chain is a great place to reach us. If you look at the bottom of the website now, there's a take you to consistency chain for network marketing, which is a very specific website. And the, the acronym is horrible. And we want to change that. But at the bottom of it, there's a link for, uh, no, 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 keep going down because you'll get a better link and then you'll get to actually talk to Jim, which is what everybody wants to do anyway. <laughs> That's what George wants everybody to do. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, a little bit more, very bottom. Brother. Okay. Right there, go to the ccfornm.com, the consistency chain for networkmarketing.com. <laughs> and one of these days, I'm gonna actually be able to buy something that's better than that and then we'll direct people to that. But. That's got all our specific stuff for the place to order the book. And we love to talk with leaders. And we love to, I mean, my heart, my heart is in the people in the back row. We always say Jim talks to the first three rows and I talk to everybody on back. 
Those are my people, the people that want this thing and just can't figure out why it didn't happen for them. And those are the people we, we want to meet. Well, that's awesome. Gentlemen, thanks so much for taking the time today. You bet. We love yeah. it. Our pleasure. Are you kidding me? Awesome. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Network Marketing Dream with Patrick Shaw. For more insights on building a solid networking business, visit our website at rapidfunnel.com slash MLM. If you loved our content, please share, like, and subscribe. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.